Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1078. I had a dream of what it was to be Ferrari. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, John Summers. Hey, John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I, I certainly am. I've, I've got the uh, faded Pontiac lap strap <laughs> in place. Awesome, awesome. I'll try to keep it between the guardrails before you hear today. John Summers is an automotive historian, a researcher, and a consultant. A Roman historian by training, John is embedded in the Concours and museum communities, serving as a VIP sponsor, showfield tour guide, a judge, an MC at various Concours events, including Pebble Beach. He interned at the National Motor Museum in England, was a docent at the Black Hawk Museum for nearly a decade, and advised for the newly reopened Peterson Museum in Los Angeles. John is an auto blogger, a new car road tester, and has television and film production experience, and has appeared on National Geographic and the Discovery Channels. He's also a producer and writer for the Mullen Automotive Museum and an instructor at the Revs Institute at Stanford University. So, John, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share just a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mark. And it's it's funny when uh, when somebody lists everything like like that. It's it's surprising, and you think, gosh, I I have done one or two things over just over a the few, years just a few. <laughs> Jolly flattering, and I, I think for me, the the guiding thing for for me with within the car hobby is is that it, it I'm about breadth, not depth. I'd, I'd rather talk to somebody about something I I don't know about rather than spend a lot of time talking with somebody who shares a common interest with me. So so for me, the hobby is always about what's coming next, and, and it's always about breadth, not depth. The other element of this, and this, this sounds kind of ridiculous, but we're in a, a world at the moment where there's so much new media and there's so many different ways to tell stories and, and moving images and moving cars and in film that allows sound and cars that make sound. This gives us unprecedented sort of opportunities to tell stories in different kinds of a way. And uh, so I sort of see myself as an automotive bard. I see myself as, as somebody who, who tries to tell stories in all sorts of different ways and can hopefully tell a decent story in, in all sorts of different ways, whether it's you know writing for an auction house or making a film or being a talking head or teaching some some students. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll let our listeners know that John and I have never met before. When he called in today, we just seemed to hit it off. Of course, that's pretty common here at Cars Yeah, because when you get two car enthusiasts together, they seem to have an instant bond. But we started chatting, and all of a sudden, I looked down and said, well, we better get going on this show, or we're going to be talking for hours here about all the certain things in life we enjoy. So I really appreciate you being here and joining me here on Cars Yeah. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been uh, inspiration in, in, inspirational, I should say, in your life. So uh, time to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, John, take the wheel. 
I don't really, not so much of a mantra, but certainly early in my life, I had a sort of way of thinking. And it's as a boy, a teenager, I grew up watching Ed and Senna race. And through that, particularly, I've got to thinking, you know, you either commit to something or you don't. And that always gave me a focus in my own life around deciding what was important and, and what wasn't. I think more recently, as I've thought more about storytelling and as I've be, become involved in automotive storytelling more professionally, it's been this idea that people tell car stories differently from the way that they tell other stories. And I've spent a good deal of time thinking about how and why people do tell car stories differently from the way that they tell other stories. There is one, not so much of a success quote, but one line that, that comes back to me, which is a, a, a translation of, of an interview with uh, Ferrari, old man Enzo Ferrari, when, when he was in his 80s. And he says, I had a dream of what it was to be Ferrari. Mm. In, other, in other words, Ferrari didn't just happen. He sort of visualized what he wanted to be and then worked towards that. And it, I think it's, it's magnificent because it, it, it begins to convey sort of the, the notion that the legend was made. It didn't just happen. I love that. I really like that a lot. And I think it's so important in people's lives because a lot of people, you ask them if they're unhappy with what they're doing. Well, what do you want to do? And they can't answer the question. They can't envision it. They can't see it. And I think that's the first step. I have a, actually a meeting this afternoon with a gentleman who's a little bit older, wants to kind of start a second career, but he can't quite figure out what it's going to be. And he goes, you've interviewed all these people that have given you all these secrets to success and happiness. I, I want to suck some of that out of you. I said, I'm happy to share what I've learned. And that's what we're going to do. So, uh, well, thanks for sharing that. That's a wonderful quote. Let's talk a little bit about a story that instigated your personal passion for car, your vision about cars, and that pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy. Well, I, I think it's, it's always been there. That's the, the main thing to say. There's never been a time where I wasn't, wouldn't self-identify as a, as a car guy. And so the story then that's to share around that was that I was born in a town called Stroud in Gloucestershire in England, my parents' first son, um, eldest child. I remember being in the pram. So this was before being in the stroller. This was in, in the pram. Wow. I remember looking out of the pram. So I must have been able to sit up, asking my mother. So I was at a stage where I could communicate and asking my mother about now a good big selling car in England in the 1970s, the Ford Cortina. Yes. Well, the Mark III, some of them had body color trim between the taillights, mm -hmm. but others had it in black and others had aluminium black and silver stripes. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a boy being struck by that and saying to my mum from the pram, well, why? And my mum being like, well, I don't know, Jonathan, <laughs> she would have said. I was surprised. The reason the incident stuck in my mind was here was something that I'd asked my all-knowing mother. Yes. I'd asked her something and she had said, well, I don't know, Jonathan. Hey, go figure She's it out. No explanation <laughs> so I don't know. So I, I don't know how old I was then, but wow. clearly very young. Yeah. A little bit older. There was a big fire. There was a great fire of London in the year 1666. And I learned about it in elementary school. And it scared the bejesus out of me. It mm. used to give me nightmares. And I used to manage the nightmares by imagining the Dukes of Hazard 
Dodge Charger <laughs> leaping through the flames. Oh my that gosh. Sort of gave me, That's hilarious. That sort of gave me. <laughs> it, it, well, it, I mean, it, it, that gave me a sense of tranquility. And it's funny, I'd not thought of that until I, I looked at the sort of thing that we were going to talk about today. And I got to, to thinking about that. And I would say, you know, when did I start on this sort of car barred kind of be an automotive writer, collect some old cars, do some work on them, you know, make it front and center in your life rather than a hobby? When did I start on that path? That was was when you know I moved to California. Right, I met my wife. We both worked similar kind of Silicon Valley tech jobs for for a little bit, and then there was a moment only after about two years, two or three years after she'd got the first tech job when she was out earning me, and I just thought, you know, I'm never going to need to provide for you in the traditional John Wayne sense of the words. You just you're going to have this amazing career mm-hmm. and and that's very exciting for me because it means that I can go off and as my manager at the time said oh be a struggling writer then you know I could <laughs> I could go off and 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 do that and theme that around cars and uh, you know I'm not sure quite if I'd have taken that part. I'm not really sure if I'd have done that <laughs> yeah. now knowing what the path looked like. But but that certainly was the pivotal thing when I realized, wow, this girl is is amazing business, very talented, very able, yeah. very fired up to do it. There's not going to be, you know, she, she's not, there's going to be no 50s stereotypical yeah you know me the breadwinner and her at home with the children here this is that it was clear at that moment that was not what it was going to look like so uh <laughs> so yeah so that started me on the road towards the car thing as it stands for me cool fortunate man i love it the dukes of hazard flying out of london as it burns to the ground <laughs> uh in their uh their general lee so wow that paints quite a picture wow john That's cool. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge, a big failure you faced. I love these stories because they teach us things. So walk us through one of those times where it was a real challenge for you and and, uh, tell us how you came out on the other end. Candidly, making this sort of barred thing pay is a challenge because some of the things you do don't pay and some of the things you do pay better than you expect and others you do a lot of work on and then they come to nothing. I think the striking thing about that, and again, I'd only thought about this when I was uh, thinking about sitting down and talking to you. I think five years ago, it was very difficult to be an online writer about cars. Whereas now, I think you can earn not a decent income by, you know, Bay Area or New York or Singapore kind of standards. If you're ready to live in a more humble way, you can earn a, a reasonable income writing about cars um, as a as a freelancer, and 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 that's really uh, an an exciting thing. And for me, it's kind of living the the dream that I had in. 2008, 2010, when I really started on this uh, on this path seriously. You, you said challenge or failure, and you know I I did think about one thing, which which is I, I suppose a failure that I feel as if I've I've learned a lot of minor lessons from, but really one very big lesson that I'll share here is that I was asked to do a startup by three pretty successful Silicon Valley guys. One very successful Silicon Valley guy, guy who runs a you know he's, he's ceo of of a leading ride sharing company in the valley here now the idea that we put together i didn't really believe 
in it. It was there and it was being put together, but it didn't really hand on heart. It just didn't rock for me. I just, it just didn't really work for me. Mm -hmm. What I should have done earlier in the process was say to them, look, guys, I just think this idea is not very good. I think we need to burn it down and start over. Uh I look back on the cadence of the project and I can even think about some of the meetings uh, when I had opportunity to do that because of other things that were going on, I didn't have the courage, I think, to do that. And I think looking back, I should have done that mm. because I was the only real car guy in the room. Yeah. I really understood. They understood business. They understood how to build a web business and apps and all of it. They didn't really understand cars. And I did. And in a sense, I let them down by not committing. So that was a big lesson. Yes. That you know, if you've if you've got an opportunity, you know, you owe it to yourself. Maybe, maybe I forgot the lesson of Senna that I didn't commit properly. Mm, you know, yeah, and I love Senna too. What a, what a great driver, uh, interesting gentleman. But also, what comes to mind is listening to and believing in that gut feeling that you get with things. And a lot of times, you ignore it because of other extraneous reasons, whatever that might be. But uh, you got to listen to your gut and go with it and and speak up and voice. I appreciate you sharing a a really personal story in time. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum and talk about a career aha moment, a time that you uh, were kind of illuminated to go down the right path. I can tell the, tell the tell you the exact moment of that. Um, there used to be a, a concourse event on a sports field in Palo Alto near Stanford University. I was looking at a car that was on a raised plinth underneath a tent, and I liked the car because it was an original Ford GT40 racing mm. car and I was looking at that and I got talking to the the bloke and he was with some program that seemed to be affiliated with Stanford and you know then I got introduced to this quintessential sort of professor kind of guy like mad professor <laughs> kind of guy and I really hit it off with this bloke and he seemed to feel that my knowledge was was just what was needed and uh he introduced me to other people and they introduced me to other people and and i i you know was was able to to get involved in this teaching assistant work that i've been doing with with stanford now for for six years and it's really exciting yes to be able to work with these kind of students and i i would just say you know that professor that made that introduction his his name is cliff nass Mm. um, and we lost him in 2013 and he is very much missed by the, the program and by, you know, many uh, contemporaries who've been involved in all sorts of research around the, the automobile at Stanford. Yeah. Um, he wrote a book called The Man Who Lied to His Laptop. <laughs> and it's, he really did some really interesting, clever research that's at the intersection of, of psychology and applied computing. I think that's what they would uh, would have called it. Well, you never know who you'll meet at a car show. And the lesson I learned from this is talk to people because you never know where it may lead you to. And I'm going to ask you a little bit more about revs in a minute. But first, I want to talk about your first really special car and maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle. I, I love cars very much. So, you know, in a sense, they're, they're all special. And I feel that if you've done a few miles in them, they, they all become special. But But I do have one particular machine which which stands out for me i realized in my mid-20s that 
earning what I was earning, I was really going to struggle to get the kind of really fast car that, that I wanted. So I broadened my imagination and got a motorcycle license and, and got a sports bike because they offer kind of, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, Ferrari or, or Porsche performance, but without, you know, the, the associated, uh, the associated costs. So my first bike was, a. a 2002 Suzuki GSX-R 600 and uh, the the statistics said the bike would do um, 157 miles an hour flat out. Well, ever the historian, I thought, you know, I could just find a quiet piece of motorway and do that. Oh, gosh, yeah. But it was the first time I've ever done it. But I did think, you know, what with this tradition of Jaguar going to the Jabiki Highway to prove that the E-Type can do 150 miles an hour, I thought. And then I read about the Auto Union guys and Bernd Rossemeyer doing the Frankfurt Darmstadt Autobahn. He did more than 240 miles an hour on that piece of road. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll go to Frankfurt, I'll go there and do this 150 mile an hour there. So I did that, and then on the way home, had all sorts of exciting adventures. <laughs> now, fast forward from like 2003, maybe when, when, when that took place, I'm living in California now, in San Francisco, and the money that I saved up from a not very um, lucrative job, I scraped together money to buy a Yamaha R1, um, and then ended up spending the money on an engagement ring for my wife. So, <laughs> you know, I still look at the diamond and, yes. and see Yamaha R1s yeah. when, I, uh, when, when I look at it. But at the same time, Suzuki were doing this anniversary of the GSXR, and they were doing this essay competition where you had to write a story about an amazing experience you'd had on your GSXR. Yes. So my wife, yeah, then girlfriend, used to marvel at my ability to leap out of bed on a Saturday morning to scribble and write at the and then tap bash at the computer to craft a story. Because I knew the story of my Germany trip was good enough for me to win the essay competition. Ah. So I wrote the essay of what happened and I won the essay competition, and the prize was the sports bike that turned into the engagement ring. Uh, they gave me the prize was a Suzuki GSXR. No way! Oh, and that bike. That bike is still pristine with the super rare special edition factory plastics and can sitting downstairs in, uh, in, in my garage wow. uh, right, right now. So really marvelous story. Um, the, the centerpiece of, of the story was that on the way home from the track, I had lo- on, on the way home from doing the 150 miles an hour, I had a bit of a like high adrenaline moment for that. And then the adrenaline drained out of me <laughs> and I got lost. Oh. And as I was getting lost, I dropped the bike on a sharp turn, I did a U-turn mm-hmm. and it fell on me and it pinned me. Oh, these Germans came along and all piled out of this Audi 100. I remember they lifted the bike off me, but it had broken the shifter. They rode away. I was all English about it. it was like, no, no, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. fine. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, go away. Like, I'm fine. Like, you know, 
Well, but I wasn't because it had broken the shift knob off the car, off the, the bike. bike. Oh, so I like rolled it down the hill, and then I realised I can kick it down into first gear, but it won't go up into second or any of the other gears. Yeah. So I'm stood at the side of the road, and this little this guy comes along, holding hands with the little girl on the way to the birthday party, and he stops and he looks at me and he says, "I see you have problem." And I said, uh, "Yeah." He said, "I go to party with my daughter. I come back and I help." Oh, so he goes off he and he, sure enough, he comes back. We go to his house. He has me practice German with these three like quintessentially blonde German daughters. Oh, gosh. He makes me, he makes me, he takes off the lever off the side of the bike. He drills a hole. He puts a little bike, uh, puts a bolt through it. He puts the rubber on the bolt. Um, and as he's doing it, he explains to me that he calibrates machines oh. for that's what he does professionally. Yeah. But as a hobby, he has seven Moto Guzzi's, which are those V-twins, but where the V-twins perpendicular in the frame. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've seen those. Not like Harley's where the V-twins in the frame. Right. In the, yeah. it's, there, it's turned the other way in, in the frame. Yeah. So it's better balanced, almost like a, like a BMW Boxster. Yes. But as, as a V, he has, he has seven of these bikes. We talk about the bikes. He does this work for me. Now I have to ride off and make the ferry. I ride to this is the era before smartphones or anything like that. So I ride to the garage at the bottom of the hill, gas up, looking at the map, feeling pretty despondent. Bloke comes up on a pristine SRAD Suzuki GSXR. This is the late 90s one. It's got custom flames. His leather is it's white. He's in white. He's got custom purple flames. I remember oh he gosh. looked he looked the absolute business, right? And my bike is travel stained and filthy, new, broken indicator, broken lever, and and me feeling like, gosh, I have a long way to ride to make this ferry like would have been better if you'd have not fallen off. Yeah. Right. Uh, looking at the map, trying to decide where to go. He sees the English registration and again in English says to me, you have come from England on GSXR? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you are hardcore. And then he got on his bike and rode away. away. And I knew, I knew that line, you are hardcore. Yeah. I knew that line would win me the competition. So I alighted. <laughs> I'm confessing <laughs> this now. I elided the Moto Guzzi guy and the UR Hardcore guy in the service station. I turned them into one guy, wrote the story, won the free motorcycle. So the one dream, go to Germany, see 150 miles an hour on the Autobahn, turned into the free motorcycle that I've enjoyed up and down Highway 1 for the last decade. Wow. What a story. Holy cow. That's incredible. <laughs> I love it. Well, how about, I don't know how you could beat that. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've let go? That you wish you had back? <laughs> yeah. Um, so my wife, my wife once said to the curator of a very famous museum at a very famous car show, both of which shall remain nameless. Oh, my husband, when the, when the guide said to him, oh, oh does, does your husband collect cars? My wife said, no, John, John doesn't sell cars. He either crashes them or keeps them. <laughs> and that is the, uh, the the reality for me. So I bitterly miss that in 2008, I had a lump of money and I used that money to buy a bullet Mustang, which I still have, and I won bullet Mustang. I could have got on the 911 train it would have been a Volkswagen gearbox, not a G50 
9-11, but I could have gone on the 9-11 train. It's irrelevant because as my wife says, you know, I either crash them or keep them. So <laughs> the fact that that car would have been worth much more than my bullet car, it doesn't matter. I, I would have loved and driven both cars. So, yeah. uh, so it's the same there. My dad had a pre-catalyst 92 British Racing Green Morgan Plus 8, you know, oh, that yes. framed yeah. British sports car. And, and my dad's long been a connoisseur of Morgans. He had one before I was born. Um, he had this beautiful British Racing Green one. It was the 3.9 litre Buick aluminium V8, mm. but they was not the 3.5. It was bored to 3.9. It was, wow. but it wasn't the ones that had the catalyst. It was like, like it was D1 the one to have in the color as far as i was concerned and uh, and he sold that and that frankly is a bigger loss to oh, summer's automobility than anything i ever had but yes i do have one car that i wish i didn't let go um i bought for a challenge i was tired of going i go to england every year i've lived in california 15 years every year when i go home there's always this thing of what do you drive it is frustrated me that uh, if you try to specify rental cars, you never quite got what you want. Yeah. Um, if they gave you, if if you just save money, what you get is is just not up to the job. It just very much uh, frustrated me. So I decided I would take the money that I would spend on a rental car on one trip and use it to buy a car, use my skills to buy a car. And people say, oh, well, like on Top Gear where they do the banger challenge. Yes. And it's like, no, it's not like on Top Gear because I've got no backup crew. I've just got my very limited skills, my toolbox. And my wife saying to me, if it breaks down whilst I'm in it, I'm divorcing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Pressure's on. Uh, you know, I had that car for the time with my wife in England. I walked Hadrian's Wall. I visited Jim Clark and I drove the Jim Clark room up in Scotland and I, I drove all around there. And, and the car was a, it was a, you got it in America as the Contour SVT, the Ford Contour SVT. Okay. We had it in, in Europe as a Ford Mondeo 24-valve ST. It was badged as ST, like the modern ST. So it had it was like looked like a Ford Contour, but it had sport suspension, 24-valve, Yamaha-designed Duratec motor, and that motor was an absolute hunting. Um, I've got some of the film of it leaking oil outside the Jim Clark room in 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 Scotland, but you know it would still, um, you know. So anyway, when I went, when I came back to California, it sat around on a farm for a bit. Then some of my friends in England used it for a bachelor party, and on the bachelor party they wound it up to like 140 miles an hour or something ridiculous. I shan't say uh, I shan't say where and I had ridiculous adventures with with it and. It, it features in various YouTube videos with different mismatched <laughs> body panels and that kind of stuff. I then returned to England and used it for another few thousand miles for another visit the next year, which featured a 300-mile journey where every 30 miles, uh, the fan belt would break, would, the zip ties doing the cooling would break, and I'd have to leap oh, out and redo the zip ties at, at the side of the road. So I loved this car. I'd invested all this time and energy in it. And then the guy who I left it with lost the key, and his girlfriend said, either that car goes or you do. Uh, and he didn't say to me he'd lost the key. And in the end, she, in, in the end, the car went, and she finished with him. Well, of course. But, uh, <laughs> I, so, I mourned, so I mourned that car, even though it only cost me £300. Wow. <laughs> Jeez, it's crazy. Oh, my goodness. Well, I would love for you to share a little bit with our listeners about Revs Institute. Explain to them what it's all about. What's going on there? What are you guys doing there at Stanford? 
Well, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, a, a few years ago, um, the Revs Institute in Naples in Florida, um, which is led by a, a, a really a, a leading car collector and, and benefactor of the hobby Mars Collier, I looked at really trying to build a relationship with Stanford University. And a lot of what that, that, that was around was doing the sort of thing that, you know, I've talked about was thinking about um, automobility as history, not just the future and matching the traditional stuff that Stanford had always done uh, around automobiles, you know, uh, uh, around, you know, futures and autonomy and, and all this kind of stuff that you'd tradition, traditionally associate Stanford with. So, well, fundamentally, REVS is, is an organization which exists in a couple of universities and academic institutions across North America, including, uh, including Stanford, which uh, it's about automotive-inspired courses um, and arts-inspired courses at academic institutions, if that makes sense. So it's really teaching, you know, so I don't know, perhaps the best way to, to, to think about it is the, the, the course that I'm, I've been involved in with a number of years now at, at Stanford is called Tales to Design Cars By. Um, it sits in the mechanical engineering department, so it has an ME mechanical engineering course designation. But my co-tutor is a psychologist, and most of the people who sit in the class are product design specialists or engineers or uh, so so we get a spread of people who are car enthusiasts perhaps whose parents are car enthusiasts or perhaps who self-designate as car enthusiasts we also get a number of people who who are really interested in the notion of storytelling around a commercial engineered product like an automobile gotcha awesome awesome I know Revs Institute has an awesome website. I would encourage listeners to go and check it out. We'll put links to it on John's show notes page here at Cars. Yeah. Well, John, here's a very introspective question. It helps us think a little bit about how you perceive yourself. What would you be if you were a car? Oh, um, if I were a car, I think I would be a 1973 Jaguar XJ6 in British racing green <laughs> with nice. uh, a four speed manual overdrive transmission nice 73 because that's my age i was born in 1973 jaguar because i'm british but also because it, it in uh, you know what they say all british sense of humor is, is based on social class jaguar suits my social class ah. it's maybe a little bit aspirational for my social class <laughs> ford a little bit uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm certainly not a Bentley guy, but not quite, uh, even though traditionally I've always driven Fords. So maybe that's why I say that Jaguar is just a little aspirational for me. My dad's best friend um, had a Triumph 2000 that was white, that was tired and rusty when I knew it when I was a boy, but it had this wonderful faded red leather interior. Mm. And I would love if as if as a car, I had this faded red leather interior. So the bridge racing green with the faded red leather and and the walnut. I think that so a comfortable place to be. I hope uh, I'm a comfortable place to be. Uh, what I think this this represents is is you know I'm when I moved to to California, my uh, my two best friends from high school joked about how this is Bohemian John, and and <laughs> when one of them came and visited me. The, the comment was, bloody hell, you've got a toe tan. 
you've lived in California too long. You've got because I've got a bit of a because I wear flip flops and and oh. you know, I, I, so so they uh, so this uh, gently faded but nice coloured in interior represents this bohemian toe tan me um, and the four speed manual because I'm all about driving and and there was so few four-speed manual XJ6s and you know I'm always the left-handed guy I I am left-handed I always do it differently I'm always the unusual one yeah that would be you I think that's me <laughs> toe tan Jaguar 6 I like it I like it well John up next is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors what's the worst thing for your car's interior no it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat it's the sun Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. Hey, this is Mark Green. Are you interested in selling online and building a sustainable business? Bonanza is a marketplace platform that empowers you to create your dream business. Getting started at Bonanza is easy. You can start fresh or import your items from other marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or Shopify. Auto parts and accessories are a high-performance category at Bonanza, and there's no risk involved in signing up. There are no listing fees or monthly fees. You pay only when you make the sale. Bonanza listens to seller feedback and uses it to improve tools and build new features, so there are tons of customization options for sellers no matter what the size of your business. Be sure to sign up using the link bonanza.com slash cars yeah and you'll receive a free consultation with Bonanza experts who make sure that you are on your way to generating sales. That's bonanza.com slash cars yeah. Alright John, we are back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? My dad never told me to slow down. He just restricted the cars I could own to slow ones. It totally saved my life. Smart, totally saved my smart life. guy, yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? I'm not sure if it's contributed to my many successes, but when from the time I was uh, you know, a teenager, when my friends played computer games um, or watched TV, um, I would read car magazines. Ah. I mean, that literally, they would play the. They would be on the PlayStation. I would just read car magazines, and, and this has always given me a base level of knowledge. It gives me, 
you know, when M5, E28, M5 BMWs become collectible, I, you know, I have a muscle memory knowledge from when that car was new as a teenager. Yeah. That was because of that obsessive magazine reading. Good for you. Oh, the mighty M5 too. Wonderful cars. Now, how about a resource? There are an awesome number of resources we all have these days. Is there one in particular you really enjoy? Well, I think YouTube, and I would highlight on YouTube, my two favorite channels at the moment, Wasabi Cars, that's W-A-S-A-B-I Cars, and that is an Australian bloke living in Japan talking about Japanese domestic cars. Really, really funny, really informative. And an Italian guy called David Chironi. And how this guy gets access to the cars he gets access to, it's in Italian, but it's subtitled. You know, he interviews the bloke that crashed the Bugatti Verion testing at more than 180 miles an hour. You know, that uh, really compelling stories, really artistic film work. And, you know, I say YouTube because what I do is I... You know, I decide, right, I want to, you know, I remember British touring car racing being great in the 1990s. I'll just YouTube up some British touring car races from 1992 and I, I sit and watch them. And, you know, so, so my, so I watch very little contemporary motorsport. I watch lots of historic motorsport on YouTube and therefore YouTube is my recommendation. Oh yeah. So much to see there. Would you spell the gentleman in Italy, his last name for us? C I. R-O-N-I, oh. David Kironi. David Kironi, okay, and the wasabi. We'll make sure we put links to those on John Shono's page so you can enjoy them just like he has. I'm looking forward to seeing them myself. I'm unfamiliar with both of those. Now, if I could wave my magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? It would be Dr. Giuseppe Farina the first world champion, the first Formula One world champion. Oh, now. And I'd want to do it in a coffee bar, in his local coffee bar in Turin. Yes. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be fun? You're the first person that's mentioned him, which is very, very interesting to me. But I knew that you would come up with somebody very substantive in history because I know you love history. So I'm glad you mentioned that uh, very special person. Now, here's a tough one. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, it's just a tough one for me because because uh, I'm I'm a real reader. I I'm always reading something new. Um, so I'm going to cheat and have two. My first one would be Ferraris, my terrible joys. Anybody who enjoys cars and certainly enjoys Ferraris owes it to themselves to to read Ferraris, my terrible joys. It's his his memoir, not his autobiography, his memoir, and and there's a difference. And the other one I would recommend, and this is an amazing book for anybody to read, just because the individual is so amazing. Ari Vartanen, the rally guy, Ari Vartanen's Every Second Count. Mm. This is not a motoring autobiography like anything you've ever written before. If you thought those Finnish people were a little bit different from the rest of us, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. (laughs) A lot different. Wow. I'm excited for both these books because neither of them have been mentioned here on the show, which is pretty amazing to me. So I'll remind our listeners you can find all these great resources. And links to them on John Summers' show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. And John is J-O-N, so that you find that page very quickly. All right, John, we're up to the checkered flag. The fun question, but it can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet today or motorbike, whatever you'd like. Money is no object, but there's a couple rules here. You can only have this one collector car in your garage. You have to drive it. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. So what's it going to be? 
it would be Piero Taruffi's Mille Miglia winning, 1957 Mille Miglia winning Ferrari 335S. So that's one car. And it's because it's the pinnacle car in so many different ways. It's the pinnacle car because it won that last Mille Miglia. And the Mille Miglia is this link to the city to city road races right at the beginning of motorsport, you know, 120 years ago. It's that linked to the modern world. It is still road legal. It's a two-seater. You could still, you know, it still could keep up, you know, you could still drive it in modern traffic. It is a pinnacle shape to look at. In my opinion, it's the last of the front engine Grand Tourers before the engine moved behind the driver. It is the pinnacle in so many different ways to, to look at. And apart from anything else, let's let's be clear, this is still a really eye-wateringly fast car. I think probably 190 or 195 miles an hour. Just stop and think about what it must have been like blasting along Italian roads at that kind of speed. It just does not bear thinking about. And you could have that sitting in the garage. So I'll take that off you, Mark. Gee, oh. I'm, not sure how much to, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how much you'll have to pay Ralph Lauren to get it off. It. Yeah, I was going to say Ralph owns that car. He's he done part with his cars. Beautiful Scaglietti design. I mean, just a a splendid car. It just it kind of puts all the right pieces in place, ticks all the right boxes. Yeah, that one's going to cost me dearly. So I'll get to work on that. It may take me a little while longer than many cars I've delivered here, but you know, I'm going to do it for you, John, because I know you take care of it, and more importantly, I know you would drive it down the beautiful Coast Highway there uh, south or north of San Francisco. Well, John, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I think I could talk to you for days and days and days. I've really enjoyed your stories. Boy, you've got some great ones. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah audience. Would you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the Coast Highway in that 57 335S Ferrari? Sometimes you feel a bit sad that our hobby and the things that we love about cars are going away. I, I'm just reminded all the time that the sunset's absolutely beautiful. And as the sun sets on our hobby, it's only going to get more beautiful. If you know where to look within the hobby, and moreover, you can record and preserve like you never could before. So yes, the sun's setting, but that's not a reason to feel sad. I like it. How nicely said. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're doing these days? Well, I, I think my blog's probably the best way to, to do it, and that is uh, johnsummers.net. Awesome. Great. I'll make sure I put links to that spectacular blog on John's show notes page. Again, just go to carsyad.com, type in John, J-O-N, Summers. That page will pop up. And visit also the website for the Revs Institute. Absolutely fantastic organization, facility. I mean, they're just doing some really, really cool things. John, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and, and what fun it is to talk to you. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark, for having me on. It's been, uh, it's been an enormous pleasure. Well, the pleasure's all mine. Thank you. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. 
Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.